This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. You'll have to excuse my voice here. I have a little bit of a cold and I'm losing my voice. So I'm going to try to make it through this intro. Today, you're listening to episode 225 and I'm talking with Natasha Rogers. Just a couple weeks ago, Natasha won the USATF Cross Country Championships. She is really having a comeback year. She runs for Brooks. And if you don't know Natasha, let me just give you a little bit about her history. She won the 2012 NCAA title in the 10K and then went on to place second in the Olympic trials in the 10K in 2012. Natasha has a huge comeback story and I am so proud of her right now and so excited to see that everything she's got going on. She has taken quite a bit of time off from professional running a couple different times in her career due to injury and just you'll hear all about the crazy story and things that she's been through when we talk in this conversation but she is back she's feeling good and I cannot wait to see what lies ahead in her career she's currently running for Brooks and chasing down some fast times on the track and she definitely has a goal to make the 2020 Olympic team. So make sure you follow Natasha and check out what she's got going on as her career takes off once again. You can find her on Instagram. She's Natasha, N-A-T-O-S-H-A underscore Rogers. Before we get started talking with Natasha, I want to thank Lily Trotters for being a supporter of this podcast. If you are looking for a compression sock, this is the sock for you. This is my favorite compression sock. They are cute, they're functional, and they're fashionable. They have really cute Valentine's Day socks on their website now that they don't have to be used just for Valentine's Day, but they would be really cute to grab. And they also just launched their new crew sock that you can pre-order now. Telling you, I've been wearing this crew sock all the time. I am so serious when I tell you I have these compression socks on all the time. Um, actually, my favorite pair that I own is the Smitten Aqua. I wear those constantly. Today, I'm really excited to offer you all 25% off any full price order from Lily Trotters. When you go to lilytrotters.com, use the code ANOTHER and you can get 25% off any full priced item. That is a good deal. Thank you, Lily Trotters, for continuing to support this podcast. And friends, when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you are directly supporting this show. So I thank you for that. Again, that's lilytrotters.com and use the code ANOTHER for 25% off any full-priced items. All right, friends, let's enjoy my conversation with Natasha Rogers. Well, today on the podcast, I'm excited to welcome Natasha Rogers to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Natasha. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do another one. I did my first one um, a few weeks ago, and it was really, really fun. So I'm oh, cool. excited for this. <laughs> Wonderful. Whose podcast were you on? It was actually my sister. She just has a really small one that she just started up um, last year, and I encouraged her because she, she just had a baby, and she was pregnant for a long time there. And, 
I encouraged her to get back into it just because she's going to have a lot of downtime with like the baby and not really working so much. So we're going to do another one um, where I ask her the questions next time. (laughs) What is her podcast called? It's called Core of Conduct. You can find it on Spotify. Okay. And what's the, like, what's it about? We're doing a series right now called Identity Crisis. um, And I was the first one to go um, and share my personal story with that. Um, And then we're going to do her next because she used to be an athlete as well. Um, And then we're going to do two others after that. Okay, cool. So are you a first-time new aunt? I am, yes. I um, I got to see my sister have a baby. I was in the room, and this was actually the week before the cross-country championships, and um, that was very intense, <laughs> and I probably won't have a baby for, like, a few more years down the road, <laughs> but... Um, it was really beautiful and cool, and he's such a cute little boy. It didn't scar you too much, though. <laughs> no, it actually, I was thinking about her and her baby in my race. I was like, if they can do that, then I can tough through this 10K. <laughs> that is so cool. You know what? I I have four kids, but before I had babies, I actually got to witness my sister have a baby first as well a couple years before I had my first and it really was one of the I mean it was just as cool as having my first baby I think just I'd never experienced being in the room of someone giving birth and it was just like crazy that your body just kind of like your body just naturally makes it happen yeah it definitely was like so amazing like I've yeah it's it's hard to explain And most people are like, oh, I wouldn't want to watch that. But (laughs) it actually is really um, beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And kind of gross, but beautiful too. (laughs) Also disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Well, you had a big weekend. So this is super exciting. Like you've come off some really hard years and you just won the USATF cross country championship. So huge congratulations to you. Thank you so much that that's awesome to hear people, you know, like know a little bit about my story and how hard it really has been just to be back to where I am today. And, um, yeah, just having like hope in those harder, darker times, it really does pay off. Yeah. Tell us how you feel coming off that race. I um, felt like obviously really happy um, and just kind of on like a runner's high. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, this always kind of happens after like a really great race or like winning like a title or something. Um, You just it all kind of comes crashing down on you, like a little bit overwhelming. Um, You know, everyone is asking you a bunch of questions and I I really do enjoy that, but it also just kind of the week after it's like, Ooh, that's, that's a lot. (laughs) It's a little bit overwhelming. Um, And I really had to focus, refocus myself yesterday and meditate and, really try to like zero in on 
my next race and um, get focused on moving forward. What is your next race? Do you know? Yeah, next weekend, actually. Wow. So quick turnaround. Um, I am racing up in Seattle at UW, and um, I'm going to try to – going to attempt running under 1530 for the 5k um to try to get a qualifier for the 3k at nationals oh okay what's your what's your 5k pr 1508 outdoors um but that was back in 2017 when I was like super hot like I just I was coming off of really good training then um so I'm not exactly sure what I can pull off next weekend, but I'm not taking it too seriously because I'm not an indoor runner. I'm I'm focused on um, outdoors, the 10K and the five. You know, I heard I listened to your post race interview from your race you did in December, where you got fourth, and you kind of said, "Well, I always try to win." So I thought that was really cool, even though you didn't win, but you're always out there. Like, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to try to win. So in a race like the race you're going to in Seattle, will that still be your mentality or will you be laser focused on breaking 1530? Yeah. Um, so I do have to like put myself in check sometimes because <laughs> like if I'm always like being that rookie who like takes the lead, like obviously I've had races where that bites me in the butt. Um, but I think a lot of the really, I don't know who's going to be entered in that 5k at UW, but I know that a lot of really fast runners are going to be in Boston for an indoor race. So I might have to like pace myself through that. And, um, I think that will be the challenge is just trying to hit those paces that I'm not used to yet um, by myself unless there's like some some person in there that can really help me. I should probably look into that. <laughs> so do you feel like the race on Saturday, the cross country race that you just won, um, do you, did that give you like a boost of confidence? Like, okay, I'm back. I can make my way back to where I was and, and way beyond because I had just imagine getting back into something has to be kind of challenging. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually struggled with that challenge the first time I quit running, <laughs> which was after the 2012 Olympic trials, um, I I quit running. That was my last race um, after getting silver um, and not making the Olympic team and took some time away to – I did get injured and then um, took some time away to process everything. And when I came – when I signed pro after that, that's when I really struggled with getting back into it and – um, I think a part of that is holding on to the past and what worked in the past and not making the changes to your you know, current situation. Um, so this time around, it's been a little bit easier and it's really coming back a lot quicker. I'm pretty surprised by that, actually. Yeah, it has to feel good. Yeah, I think my mind is just a lot stronger, too, having gone through some of the crazy things of been through lately. 
Yeah, you've been through a lot in the past few years. Let's go back. Let's go back into history, Natasha. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, boy. Um, Well, let's just talk about kind of the timeline of your running career a little bit. So you won the 2012 NCAA title in the 10K, which 10,000 meters, which um, like that was only your third 10K. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, So you're in college. This qualifies you for the Olympic trials. So let's maybe let's start there. um, Yeah. So I basically kind of begged my coach to let me run the 10K um, at the end of the season there because I just knew I I knew that there was going to be something special um, that year with the longer distance. Um, and that's why that was only my third 10 K I've ever run. Um, and that's also why I was not fortunate enough to have been prepared to get the a standard time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what screwed me out of not making the Olympics that year. That was that. Yeah. Let's explain that to everybody. So, so Natasha places second in the Olympic trials in the 10 K um, sandwiched between none other than Amy Hastings and Shalane Flanagan, by the way, did that feel surreal? Yes, very. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I'm staying with them. Like what the heck is going on? Um, but that's, what's cool is just how your own body can like surprise yourself. <laughs> Yeah, when you're in a situation like that, I mean, because you're still in college at that point, you're in a situation like that, or you just you just have to tell yourself you belong, right? Exactly. It's a mindset. And I really started that mindset like six months before that race, not really knowing that I would make the Olympic trials, but just knowing that I could be one of the fastest girls in the country. Mm, it's true. So... Natasha did not run in the Olympics because she didn't have that standard. So that's kind of how that played out. Let's go from there. Yeah, so that was kind of just really, like as like what you said, surreal. Um, there were also some tactics in the race that played out. Like we were on pace for the A standard. And then the girls who already had the A standard worked as a team to slow down the pace to make sure that they would make the team. Um, Which that's why I was tripped and trampled by the pack because when Shalane made a move to the front and significantly slowed down the pace, um, it caused a lot of panic in the pack. And then I was blatantly tripped and um, trampled. And so I tripped in the race, got back up, and still placed second, um, but was not good enough to make the team. And uh, I don't think there, I wasn't taken to like a chaser meet either after the trials. And it was just like very confusing to me. Like I was, I felt like I deserved to go. And, um, the rules are different now. Like you can go to a chaser meet after the Olympic trials and oh, get the so, time. Okay. So does that mean you get the opportunity to go exactly how it sounds to go chase the time? Yes. You get one more chance to get the time and then you get to go. Okay. So um, if you're, if you place in the top three. Correct. Yes. 
Oh, okay. So when you ran a 3159, what was the time? At, what was the standard? I was uh, 12 seconds off. So, <gasps> oh. and that's not a lot in the 10K. That's well, pretty no, doable. <laughs> especially, especially considering how much you PR'd. Like that was a big PR, right? Huge. Yeah. And also considering just like getting tripped and I could have definitely ran faster had I not had to like get back up and coach back to the pack and all of those things um, considered no one's fault. Like it was, it just how it played out and it was um, unlucky for me because um, I could have been an Olympian that year. And so <laughs> moving forward from that point, I um, have always just had this bitter, not bitter, but just like I want it. So I want to mm. become an Olympian. And that's kind of what I talked about in my other podcast, The Identity Crisis, is that identity kind of followed me and people just, you know, have always held me to that high expectation since then. How do you come back from that? Um, I think it just really took me going through some of the really hard stuff that I've been through in the last, um, eight, 10 years, um, where like, you know, I'll get injured, lose my ability to run and then have to basically re-identify myself, um, for my own health. Like I can't just hold on to this Olympic tree, this, pro runner like I have to be more than that and so I think being able to kind of find more to myself and um, let things take their natural flow and process I think that's why I'm back here today in, in a healthy place and ready to tackle such a big endeavor again yeah because for those that might not know you really walked away for a little while. Yeah, I I quit for about a year or over a year after 2012 and traveled, studied abroad. And my I finally gave my agent a call back and I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> and that was my first job out of college was signing with New Balance, moving to the East Coast and then starting as a pro was like its own challenge it was it was a very hard first two years getting into the pro level yeah I imagine that's a really tough transition for a lot of people yeah especially when you're uprooting your life for it um, and it's the way you make money and it's a very obscure and weird job that kind of isolates you in the world yeah <laughs> um it's hard. It's a brutal industry. Um, and it's kind of like survival of the fittest. Literally. <laughs> yeah. During your time with New Balance, what did you enjoy most about that experience? I think that I just learned so much. Um, you know, when you're representing a huge million dollar company like it's um a certain responsibility comes with that and a certain 
way of dealing with people and um, representing yourself and your own personal brand too. So I think just I had a few growing pains in that area. Um, And I think I learned a lot from that and kind of how to work the system and at the same time, at the end of the day, doing what's best for me because a lot of runners can get lost in the system. Like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this or else I'm going to lose sponsorship. But it's like, if you're not running well doing that, you need to make the changes. <laughs> yeah. You know? And when you say that, are you referring to like you ran with a team for a while and then you went and trained on your own? Were those kinds of decisions factored into what you're talking about? Totally. Yeah. I, um, I had to move out of Boston. Um, I do love Boston. I have nothing bad to say about it at all. Um, but for me at that point in my life, it was really important to just get in a healthy state of mind. And sometimes the only way to do that is to go home and like be where you came from Mm -hmm. and what works for you. And, um, all of my friends and family are in Colorado and I think, you know, it's uprooting your life. Like that works for some people, but it just, things have to be on my own terms. Like for me, that's just what works for me. Yeah. And I think that's important to acknowledge because I think people could assume, well, this is just the way it has to be. And that's just not the case. No, like you can just start like doing really well and like winning prize money on the roads. Like there's other ways to make money. And that's what I did. I I moved back home and I started winning road races. And with that came, you know, my salary and I was doing really well and racing a lot. Um, I think I raced a total of 17 times in 2017 or 16 or 17 times. Um, which yeah, I was starting to spin off and lose control there. So I also learned valuable lesson out of that mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about going from now we're talking over a four year span. So a lot happens. You take a year off, you, you go back, you sign with new balance and then you run in the 2016 trials and tell us about that experience because you play second in 2012 and then you're what? 19th in 2016. I don't even remember because I don't really <laughs> think about that race very often. Um, just cause I clearly wasn't competitive at that point. Um, quite yet. Like I, at least with the big names like Molly Huddle and, um, Emily Sisson and, you know, the girls who always make the teams. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't quite in the place yet. It wasn't until 2017 when I really started making a name for myself again. Again. Yeah. Because you made a name for yourself in 2012 for sure. Yeah. And many years later, (laughs) It came back around. Yeah, it's such a long process. Exactly, yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't see about Olympians or Olympic hopefuls is they only see like that day at the Olympics 
or like the Olympic trials, but there's just so much, you know, heartbreak and trial leading up to that. And you really have one chance and then you have to wait a whole nother four years. So it, it can be kind of like a, an Olympic nightmare sometimes, but there's just such special energy about it that it's worth it. Well, you had a pretty good year in 2017. You won the 2017 USATF half marathon championships, which is incredible because you were up against the names of Alphine, Tulia Mox, Steph Bruce. Like that's a big, that's a big accomplishment. So you kind of probably felt like you were gaining some headway at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I had, I did that, and then like two weeks after that, I ran the leading 5K time in the country at 15:08. Um, so things were really starting to pick up for me, and it was because of this shift in mindset. Because earlier that same year, um, I got last place at Milrose on television, and. <laughs> Sometimes I kind of love those races, even though it's so humiliating, but that race really just lit a flame under my butt. And it was like, what am I even doing this for? If I'm going to just get last plate, like I need to make some changes in my life and I need to train harder and more focused and eliminate friends and like, not all friends, but like certain lifestyle changes that needed to be made. Um, and that's what I did. What do you mean by lifestyle changes? So I am not your typical runner. (laughs) (laughs) I like to live a very balanced life. Um, and actually that's kind of changing this year. I'm I'm getting kind of like my 2012 self where I was super focused, Mm. um, which I think is necessary, but In the middle of my pro running career, like my mid-20s, 25, 26, I was still all about, like, acting my age and, like, you know, going out or, like, being, like, the life of the party, going to concerts. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't regret that at all. Like, I've lived a very full and awesome life. Um, But that's kind of something that I've really dialed in on like after signing with Brooks this year um, or last year is okay. I have this amazing opportunity and I'm not going to let 2020 go by without knowing I did every possible thing to, to like go to bed at night and just have know that, you know, I can imagine that would be really hard as, as someone, you know, young and single too, just like I'm this professional athlete. It's not the same thing as being a professional by day, you know, eight to five person who goes to work every day. Like your body is your job. Yep. Yeah. And especially now that I'm getting older, I'm like feeling it. I'm I'm 28. <laughs> I'm, I'm approaching 29. And in the running world, that's like, you're not recovering as quickly. You're sure, not... Yeah. You just feel old and things hurt. (laughs) So I just, I cannot even do that lifestyle anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's a healthy perspective that you bring up because I don't think people talk about that a lot. No. Yeah. Like you want a social life outside of running when you're in your mid twenties. I mean, anytime, but 
that that's a true, that's a true thing. Yeah. And it's a sacrifice that you got to make. All right, everybody, I'm going to jump in real quick and I'd love to invite you to join me and come run the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon. This is a race here in Indianapolis that I do every single year. And it was my very first half marathon that I completed in 2005. So I have a lot of friends coming back in town again for this race. Janae Barron, Kimberly Clark, Charlie Watson, and Sarah Canny. They're all coming into town for the race and we would love to meet you. If you've never run this race, let me tell you, it runs on the iconic Indianapolis 500 Motor Speedway track. And I like to say it is so Indiana because of the 500 track that you get to run on. And also the entertainment along the course is just fun. And it's not like anything you see at any other races. I am telling you, it is a really good time. So you all can go to IndieMini.com slash register and use the code another five and that's the number five. So another five to save $5 on your registration. This is a weekend in Indianapolis that you do not want to miss. All right. And the other thing I want to let you know, I have training plans on my website that I have created with my husband, Glenn. We have four different half marathon training plan options and three different full marathon training plan options. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks and the marathon plans are 18 weeks. And you can find those over at lindsayhine.com when you go to the shop tab. All right. I know you guys are loving my voice right now. <laughs> um, we'll let you get back to the conversation with Natasha Rogers. All right. And if you are going to be in Jacksonville tomorrow for the Donna Marathon, we are having a meetup at 11 a.m. at Southern Grounds Coffee in Neptune Beach. And we would love to see you there. Super casual. Just going to meet for coffee and hang out and get to know some of the listeners. So that is at 11 in Neptune Beach on Saturday. That's tomorrow, February 8th. All right, let's continue my conversation with Natasha Rogers. You lost your New Balance sponsorship in 2008. Talk about why that happened and kind of what you were facing at that that point in your career. So I had gotten injured um, my knee at the beginning of 2018. Um I got really sick, like I was out for 10 days, couldn't run, and this was right before the World Half Marathon Championship that I was going to be running. Um, and then after that sickness, I like having taken 10 days off, I kind of got in that typical runner's panic mode where like, oh, I have to like work really hard now to catch back up and get ready. Um, and then my knee blew out. Nothing too serious. It just something happened and it was so painful. And most people were thinking it was a tracking problem. Like the knee wasn't tracking on the groove, which is painful. Um, very painful. <laughs> and I had to withdraw from the world half marathon championships, which was very sad to me. Um, and then I just started getting depressed because my knee was taking way too long. And that's another thing about being a runner is we are really bad at being injured because mm -hmm. we don't know what we are without running, especially when it's how we make our money. Um, it's really stressful. And there's nothing you can do about your body not 
healing or not healing fast enough. Um, so I was pretty depressed. I'm just going to be honest. Um, 2018, but I started to be able to run again over that summer. I was running an hour a day and like a lot of pro runners, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some PRP injections because like that typically is very helpful to a lot of people. Um, what is that? So it's platelet rich plasma, um, PRP injections. They basically take your own blood, spin it, get the platelets and then re-inject it into the injured site. And it's typically a very easy, not a big deal procedure and you're better within 10 to 12 days. But unfortunately for me, that was not the case. I didn't have a lot of guidance. I felt like no one was even talking to me that year because I wasn't racing. And I, I really just didn't have a lot of guidance in choosing someone to do this for me. I just kind of Googled it, picked someone. And the way that it was done to me was not in the standard, typical way. And there was also prolotherapy injected before the PRP and then scraping with the needle um, around both kneecaps. And after that, um, (laughs) my knees were like ginormous balloons. um, And then I really had a hard time walking for about four months after that. Four Um, months. Yeah, it was very scary. I could not do stairs. I could hardly get up from a sitting position. Um, It was terrifying. Um, I was really, really in a dark place during that time. What is the typical recovery from something like that? If you get it done the standard way, um, 10 to 12 days. What? Yeah. Wow. So who do you see? Who do you seek advice from during this time? Like you're depressed, your knees are balloons and you're a professional runner. Like who do you go to, to be like, what do I do? I really felt like I was alone in this. Um, I, there was really no help for me at the time. Like it just didn't seem like it there was. And I was already just so down and, um, hopeless that it just, it really didn't matter because of the pain I was feeling. I remember just laying in bed at night in so much pain because the prolotherapy, it's, it's a dextrose solution. It basically dehydrates your cells and kills them. Like it's, it's a huge irritant and, um, that's probably why it took so long to like finally, be able to regain like mobility and functionality in my knees because of the stuff they put in before. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. And, and if you had gone to you, what you think, I guess is a more well-informed sports doctor that would have done it. You don't think you would have been in this situation. Not at all. No, I I've, um, seeked out other opinions after the fact. Um, when I was finally able to 
you know, put some more energy into it because it, for a while there, I was just, I couldn't even think about going into a doctor's room. It was just, mm. I had a lot of anxiety around that. And, um, yeah, so typically it would have never been performed that way on a, on like a runner like myself at the elite level. It's just, It's definitely something that can make you lose sponsorship. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say at the time, did you feel like, like, what am I supposed to do? And um, like, how do I even remedy this? And what what then happened with your relationship with New Balance? Honestly, I, I didn't hear from them. I, it was just kind of me and my agent. We were like, he's like, can you run? And I'm like, I don't know if I can ever run again. Like, mm. so, you know, obviously a company doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I no hard feelings there. I, I get how the business works, but I really do wish that I had like the right people and the right guidance. Um, because that was a very big mistake that I made. And I just want to advise people to be careful who you're trusting with your health and your body and um, to not act out desperately and just to have faith in your body's own healing ability. Yeah. So when your agent, did you, were you, do you have the same agent now? I do. Yep. He's awesome. His name's Ray Flynn. Oh, okay. He's, um, that's Molly Huddle's agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So had you signed, like, what was it with New Balance? Like you had signed a contract through the year. So like once the year was up, the year was up. Was that kind of the deal? Yeah. And usually like I had been with them for um, two rounds of contracts. So usually they would renegotiate and re-sign me. But okay. um, there was just nothing at the end of that road for me. And um, I really had to embrace the fact that I had to move on and I had to make money after all those medical bills, like I don't get health insurance, you know? So it was like, okay, moving on now. (laughs) I did go to Thailand. I let myself have that. You did? Good. Yeah. Cause, um, I just, that was always on my bucket list, but I never could do it because of running. Mm -hmm. And I can never, I knew that once I got a job in the real world, I would not be able to do it. So I went there for a month. Wow. Um, Who'd you go with? I went by myself. What? Yeah, it was. I wanted to do it by myself. It was the most freeing, mind-blowing, like eye-opening experience I've ever had. Wow. I am such a... Um, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like this sounds negative, but I don't mean it in a negative way about myself. I'm not a very independent person. Um, as far as things like that. And I can never imagine just being like, I'm going to go to Thailand by myself (laughs) for an entire month. (laughs) Yeah. My whole family was like, no, you're not. What are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, bye. (laughs) I mean, cause you're in this kind of depressive state though. So how did you dig yourself out of that to feel like, I don't know, okay enough to take that trip? Honestly, Thailand is what like pulled me out of the depression because I'm a I'm a traveler I love traveling and um I'm not meant to just be like a homebody ever 
So, and I had studied abroad in Argentina, like, for six months before, and it it was something that I knew that I could do. Um, and also, I this is not a good thing about me. I'm overly confident in my ability to, like, escape any crazy situation, um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, my dad doesn't like that. He's like, you need to be, like, paranoid. Cause, <laughs> um, but it was super safe, and there were people from all over the world, like, just doing the same exact thing, and um, I did it the safe way, too. So You Eat, Pray, Loved It. I did, yes. I used to love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. You will never once in your life regret that experience. Never. And there's something crazy about the energy there. Like it really did heal me. And it also, my knees felt so better after getting back from that trip. Um, so much that about a month later, um, I was able to do my first run again. Okay. So how long did you literally not run at all for? So probably since the beginning, um, since when I first injured my knee, well, actually I was running again in the summer. So after the procedure though, it was probably, let's see, five months. Wow. I did not know you went to Thailand. I'm so happy that you, that you shared that. That's, that's really cool and motivating. And, um, it sounds like it was just a really peaceful and uplifting experience. It was. Yeah, I really recommend going to Southeast Asia. It's just so different than here. Well, Natasha, you're talking to someone who doesn't want to get on an airplane and go to California by herself. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. I'm a mess in my own ways. Um, okay, so that kind of dug you out of your depressive state. Is there Was there anything else in that time of your life, like, did you ever feel to the point where you were like, I need help? Like, did you go to therapy? I considered it. Yeah, there were definitely some super, super low points where I considered it. People were telling me to do it. And I think I went to one therapy session and I just wasn't exactly buying into it, which that's mm-hmm. not to say that I wouldn't use that in the future. Cause I think you just have to be in the right mental state for that. But I just wasn't, I just have to admit, I, I was a difficult person at that time. Um, and so not really, I, I just kind of had to get through it on my own. You know, that's always the tough thing about therapy. I imagine is that, um, you, you're probably, the likeliness of you finding the exact right therapist for you the very first try is probably not crazy high. I don't know what the statistics are, but when you feel so desperate that you need to talk to someone, that would probably feel very discouraging to go talk to someone and that not be the right person. And then to have the courage to pick up the phone and find somebody else. And pay for it when you're (laughs) like broke. (laughs) Exactly. It's not cheap. No. No, it's not. It's like, did I just pay you $70 to do nothing for me? (laughs) Well, and that's a barrier that's not talked about because it's real easy for someone to say, go see a therapist, but you're exactly right. It's not cheap. It's not free. 
Yeah, it would it would have just kind of added to my stress because I was, yeah, I, there I just didn't have like seventy dollars to throw around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. Um, and I mean, obviously, we know it's seventy dollars because you know the therapist needs to get paid for their job, but it's it's yeah, it's a big factor for sure. So let's get into most recently signing with the Hanson's Brooks project. That's really exciting. Hanson's distance project, I guess I should say. Yes, they are amazing. Um, I don't know how I got so lucky. Uh, I really, it was completely unexpected. Like when, so I was working a corporate job. I was doing tech sales. Um, sales is very difficult. (laughs) Um, Lots of cold calls. Oh gosh, hundred a day. Yeah, yeah. What were what? Where did you? Who did you work for? Conga. Okay. And what were you selling? I was selling artificial intelligence and a tech solutions, which is not up my alley at all. Oh boy. <laughs> it was really hard, but it was a great experience. Um, I finally have something on my resume there that's you go. not just I can run fast. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it was really hard to get that job because <clears throat> that's another thing that's not really talked about. Runners who've been in this professionally for a long time, if we lose sponsorship, we don't have like a decent enough resume to just go get a, go join the workforce. Like it was really hard to be taken seriously as a 27-year-old with no work experience except for running. Um, so I was really lucky to get that job, even though it was super hard. And my agent, he never lets me walk away. Um, he's like a, a grandfather to me. <laughs> um, he he just kept calling me saying, how are you feeling? And I didn't really think anybody would want to sign me, um, just knowing how the industry works. But he, yeah, and most, none of them really did. Um, and then he called me one day and he's like, do you know who Kevin Hansen is? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that Hansen guy. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, they want you to come take a little trip to Michigan and meet the team. And so I got a ticket like that weekend without telling my work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, once I met Kevin and the team and Keith, I, I was just blown away, like really different than most um, training groups in like the best ways possible. And I just really needed someone who knew how I operated. And Kevin basically lets me be independent, um, but keeps me in line and we communicate well. And he really, really believes in me, which is so important in a coach athlete relationship. Yeah, I'm interested in your relationship with Ray during the time that you're working professionally in sales because at that point, if you're not like seeking out and pursuing running opportunities, what, you know, was he just randomly checking in, like you said? And and what does that relationship look like? It's like, did you call him your old agent and he just kind of, and then you guys just kind of got back into it or what? Yeah, I don't think he was ever, he's been in, this world for so long so he knows how it works and mm-hmm. I think he just knows my relentless soul like that I can't really hang up the shoes and um he's always been that agent that you know puts in the most effort to 
get me going in the right direction. Because when I first quit after 2012, I had a lot of agents leaving me voicemails like every day for like months Mm. and I wouldn't call them back and I wouldn't call Ray back and I don't know why but for some reason when I was ready to come back I was like I just kind of let my intuition pick and I was like I'm gonna go with Ray (laughs) and then since then he's just kind of been very caring towards me and um, just wanting me to you know make my dreams come true. So he was one of a bunch of agents in that that were calling back in back 2013. In 2012. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. Well, that's kind of a cool full circle so- story then. Yeah, yeah. It's like those people that just stick around in your life, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. You've had a a big year now, but you didn't really compete until really the fall much, right? So. Do you feel like you're just kind of coming to a new, like a fresh start, a new season of of your career? Yeah, yeah, because I actually didn't get to quit my tech sales job where I was working seven to seven. Oh my gosh, um, seven to seven. Ugh, it was bad. Um, I didn't get to quit that until like the second week of July. And so... I wasn't even really training seriously until August and um, I was still working through some pain in my knees when I started racing in the fall and it was a little bit, you know, like some bumps in the road, some discouragement, but I'm really proud of myself for getting over that and getting through it and it does feel like a new season in 2020. It's like, okay, I'm like kind of back to myself now. Yeah. Or maybe a better version of myself. Yeah. Well, how do your knees feel today? So I just had like a great workout today right before this. And I was thinking about how they feel so good right now. Like I'm not really dealing with like the old pains that I used to, like where I would have to just get right into the tub after runs and just put hot water and just like make the pain go away um I'm not really dealing with that as much anymore at all do you think that's just time yeah I think it's time I think it's what your brain associates with certain parts of your body because if you've been through something really traumatic your brain kind of develops this like PTSD Mm -hmm. and so I think it's that which takes time um And really, I was still just working through a lot of, like, lack of mobility and scar tissue from from that procedure. Right, I'm sure. Okay, what was the workout you did today? So today, um, I had a training partner. It was our first time working out. I usually have to do all my workouts alone, which gets really unbearable. Yeah, I bet. Um, But this guy that he just moved to Denver, and he graduated like I think a couple years ago um from Virginia Tech he ran there um and he helped me pace or he paced me in a 517 mile and then three 400s after that at 70 70 69 and then another mile at 514 and then three more 400s at 
69, 69, 67 at altitude. Ooh. Okay. So getting that speed. Yeah, you are. Let's all, let's, there's, write that workout down, guys. There's a good workout for everybody to, to incorporate into their rotation. Maybe, yeah. not, maybe not the 517, 514 part, <laughs> but the, the actual repetition. Yeah, it actually, it seems a lot harder on paper, but the 400s really break it up and it goes by really quickly. So it's a good one for sure. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of it because mile repeats, you get to like the fifth repeat or the fourth repeat and you're like, you know dying wanting to kill yourself yeah Yeah. it's kind of nice to break that break that up with some speedier shorter stuff yeah for sure awesome okay so you you have a week uh race next weekend in seattle then what are the next big goals in 2020 and beyond for for you and running yeah um so and after indoors i'm not really taking indoors very seriously um just trying to turn the legs over get some speed so that I can bring that to the track, um, outdoors, but I'm running the 15 K champs, um, March, I believe it's March 15th. And, um, I'm going to try to win that. Yes. (laughs) Um, so that I can keep accumulating points to hopefully win the circuit at the end of the year. Um, in 2017, I was third in the road circuit. So I think, and I was just short of making second. So I think I can be competitive in that, especially in an Olympic year when runners are more focused on like bigger races. So will you have a focus on making an Olympic team at all? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That's that was a dumb the biggest question. One. I, I forgot to mention that. Okay. Well, I was assuming that, but I was like, should I have not have assumed that? No, no, no. You're. That's definitely something I should mention first, because that's why I came back to the sport is this Olympic dream. Yeah, for sure. Um, in the 10K, I assume? I think so. Um, the 10K is first of the trials. I usually double um, at the trials because like I, I don't make the team then I have to run the five. Um, but at that point your legs are so tired from running the 10. So I think what it's going to come down to is which time, which qualifying time is better for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. whether that's running, beating my PR of 1508 in the five, um, which I think I can do this year. If my time is super solid, we might have to have a talk, me and my coach, about maybe focusing on the five, but we'll just have to see how I perform in these qualifier meets. Yeah. What do you prefer to race? Lately, the 5K. Yeah. (laughs) Because the 10K, just the tactics that play out in the 10K at a championship race are brutal. Like. (laughs) You're going to have, like, your Molly huddle, and she's going to make it really fast, and you just have to keep going in circles. <laughs> and, um, it's hard, and the 5K is a little different at a championship race. Like, lots of times it'll go out slow, and then it becomes a mile race at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be kind of fun, um, the 5K, whereas the 10K 
is just this long, grueling, hard process. But I am supposedly I'm better at that in like coaches' eyes. So oh, the ten k. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. But you probably won't have Molly Huddle. But who is the Molly Huddle? Because if Molly's, I guess, I guess if oh, she doesn't the make the Olympic team in the marathon, she probably will go after the ten k. Yeah, and she might just run it just to like place yeah. too. Yeah, and or like help break. her teammate, or not her teammate, but Emily. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, you never know really until like the week before, and it's just like who's surprise. gonna show up? Is <laughs> yeah. that what they do? Do they give you the list the week before? It's like yeah, I think it's. I usually find out like maybe two weeks before, but people make last minute decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're still up in the air. You're gonna see how everything plays out. Yeah. Which one you're gonna do? Yeah. Um. I will probably sign up to do both. Yeah. And then make a last minute decision and possibly run both. Well, cool. Well, we're super excited to see, you know, you having the success that you're having. And I'm sure that this weekend, I hope, hopefully you are um, letting yourself kind of enjoy that, that win. That That's a big deal. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Cause I do, I, it's hard to take a moment after the race. Cause everyone's like yanking you around and like, it's just, it's hard to just take that one second and be like, dang, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, you should take more than one second. You should schedule a special dinner with some friends and really celebrate. I will. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Make you. Make it happen. So are you going to be training in Colorado and just kind of traveling around with the, the Hanson's team at races and, and camps, or will you go to Michigan at all? Yeah. So I'm based out of Denver here, but I do around four training stints a year with them. I, I went there this past summer when I signed and then, um, I'm going to Florida with them the first half of March to train, um, in some warmer weather. And then I'll probably go to Michigan again once the weather gets better. Well, very cool. Well, we're excited for you and let's wrap up with the end of the podcast questions. Do you get my email with those? Yes, I am prepared. You ready to go. Okay. (laughs) What is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Definitely make an Olympic team this year and go to Tokyo. Tokyo is on my bucket list. So I, that's like the perfect place for my Olympic dream. Yes. Yeah. And you're a world traveler. So for sure. Yeah. (laughs) What is something, what is an accomplishment you are most proud of? Probably this last national title this past weekend at the cross country championships, um, because of what I went through uh, leading up to this, like the rough couple of years that I had, and what it took to get back here, doing what I love and exceeding my limitations. Wow, that's awesome! What's a book you'd like to recommend? So right now I'm reading a really awesome book for just the elite mentality. Um, and it's called elite minds. A friend gave it to me and I really, really recommend it. It, I was reading it the morning of my race that I won and it just really put me in the right headspace. Uh, what's a nonprofit you like to support? So I used to like in the beginning of my pro career, I did side work for, United Cerebral Palsy of Metro Boston. That was back when I lived in Boston, but 
I really enjoyed volunteering my time there. Um, my mom has always kind of really showed us how to be loving and giving um, to all different kinds of people. So that was a really good experience working there. That's awesome. Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or a cocktail with? This answer is really weird, and people <laughs> think I'm weird, but Nikola Tesla, I'm like secretly obsessed with him. <laughs> really? I'm assuming, yeah. is that the founder of Tesla? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, well, actually, I think they just use, I, I'm i not sure about the car thing, because I think they just use his like, oh, okay. invention, okay. but... I should probably know that answer. You need to be prepped in case the opportunity arises to have coffee, tea, or cocktail. Yes, when he raises from the dead. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, he's not alive. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, But he, like, I'm kind of really into, like, quantum physics. Not, like, in a way that I'm a scientist at all, but that stuff just fascinates me and, Nikola Tesla also had OCD, which I think I've struggled with OCD throughout my life. And so I think it's cool that he was so successful dealing with that. So has he been dead for a really long time? I think so. I'm not sure like when exactly he died, but yeah, I think he was like a few generations ago. (laughs) (laughs) Like was he born in the 1700s? Yeah, like I, he was around the same time as um, Edison, like Edison, Thomas Edison. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, so like old people, like okay. really dead, <laughs> <laughs> really dead. I need to do. I need a quick history lesson lesson before podcasting. <laughs> I should know more about this person that I'm obsessed with. That but. you want to have coffee with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'll get made fun of for that one for sure. It's all good though. Um, there was a famous tennis player, not Roger Federer, that I didn't know who he was at one point, and I got I got made fun of for that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That. You never know who people are going to say for this question. So, yeah. you know, I can't know everybody, guys. Um, yeah. Okay, and it's all in good fun. What is your one message to send to the world? I would say either believe in the impossible or focus on the good, not the bad. Ooh, I like them. Short and sweet and both really good. Thank you. Believe in the impossible, focus on the good and not the bad. You can just have two messages. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, best of luck in Seattle. And thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me today. This was really fun. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for the opportunity. (laughs) Thanks, Natasha. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Natasha, for sharing your story. We are pumped for you. We're excited for you. Don't forget to follow Natasha on Instagram. She's Natasha with an O underscore Rogers. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Make sure you look into the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon. I am so excited to be back running it this year with all my friends. You can save $5 off your registration when you go to IndieMini.com slash register. And you can also save 25% off any full price items at Lily Trotters, my favorite compression sock, when you go to LilyTrotters.com and use the code ANOTHER. 
All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here. I hope you're having a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.